Hello, everyone. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. We speak with industry leaders, introducing you to some of the most interesting people and businesses today. We are focused on women, money, and power, as well as diversity in all areas. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. I'm Diane Gubin, co-CEO of C-Suite, along with... I'm Beth Hilby, co-CEO. And this week, we're speaking with Dr. Jamie Shapiro, CEO, Executive Leadership and Wellbeing Coach with Connected Executive Coaching. Master Certified Executive Leadership Coach, Organizational Psychologist, Professional Speaker, Leader, Vitality Researcher, Expert Facilitator, Certified Nutritionist, that's very interesting, and the best-selling author of Brilliant, Be the Leader Who Shines Brightly Without Burning Out, that's very key. Having experienced burnout in the corporate world, she understands the incredible pressure we face in our lives and the difficulty in staying connected to professional and personal goals in demanding environments. Welcome, Jamie Shapiro. Thank you so much. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. So, Jamie, you are a positive organizational psychologist. I love that title. <laughs> it's a great one. So, so let me ask you, how do vitality and full-body leadership contribute to preventing burnout in the workplace? Yeah, thanks. A great question. Um, yeah, when we look at burnout, burnout is really a depletion of energy. Um, our physical, our psychological, our emotional energy. And if you look at the other side of the spectrum where I study, I study vitality, which is an abundance of all of those things. And so when we really look at vitality and understand how do we nourish and care for our energy every day, and we really focus on that as leaders, it changes our thinking. And I think so often we're thinking about work-life balance in terms of time. And my shift is really, how do we think about this in terms of energy, in terms of vitality to protect against burnout? I, I always say, and I'm not the only one that says it, the self-care is not selfish, right? Like when we care for ourselves, my research shows it truly gives us an abundance of vitality and that vitality leads to higher leadership performance and capacity. Right. So how can you even tell if you're burnt out? Like some of us are so burnt out, we're just like so fried. <laughs> and we just keep moving and moving and moving on the rat wheel. Yeah. If you keep moving, you don't notice. Yeah. I mean, well, the truth is busy can be very numbing and it's important to take note of that. And so I really encourage people to check in with themselves and how they're caring for themselves and how they are thinking about their own replenishment. And, you know, I think we all know you know, those moments where we are depleted and we know it with signs of not being able to be present, not having the capacity for others anymore, and really not feeling at our best. And those are some of the signs of burnout. But I think people think about burnout as like this massive thing that all of a sudden happens. And it's actually, at least in my own experience, much more of a cycle where we have moments of burnout and then we, you know, get on, as you said, the wheel, right? And start <laughs> running again and again and again. And then we get into burnout and we try and like get back up and we keep running, running, running. And then so I think it, it's not to me, yes, there are those moments where people get a hundred percent depleted and they can't function anymore. But I think in general, like when we look at most people, it's more of an up and down cycle, not this one-time event that you then recover from and never go back to. So that's why I say replenishment has to be a daily thing. It can't just be, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna get to replenishment, you know, next month. That's not how this works. It's really got to be an intentional practice that we do every single day by thinking about what gets energy back in, and it doesn't need to be, you know. 
two hours over here and two hours hours over there. It could be five minutes in between your calls. It could be getting out in the sunshine. It could be reaching out to that close friend that brings energy to you. So I ask people to think a little bit differently about replenishment. I think sometimes people say, I don't have time for that. And really you can find those places if you're intentional about it. So there's some hope. (laughs) But I think it's different for different people too, because I know, uh, yeah, because I run pretty fast and a lot of the people are, and it makes people feel guilty um, sometimes because I can do, I can do a lot and, and people just move at different places. Right. And they do different, they work at different speeds. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the work-life balance conversation is really hard because it looks different for everyone, right? Like you can't just sign up for work-life balance. You have to think about actually what replenishes you and that's different from anyone else. Right. So what is important for leaders to understand about the concept, and this was interesting to me, of emotional labor and emotional disconstance, I'm not saying that right probably, and how they understand um, positively impact for our leadership styles. Yeah. So what's emotional labor? Yeah. It's, you know, it's one of these terms we use in psychology and that I study pretty extensively in my research, but it's not a term that we talk about in the business world, um, hardly ever. But I think it's so powerful to learn about. So anytime we as, and this happens all the time as leaders, right, where we are projecting one emotion, but we're feeling something different, that's emotional labor. And the fact is, especially in leadership, our emotions are very contagious. And so there are many days, if I I would argue every day, in which we have to show up with emotional labor. We have to project something that helps us reach our organizational goals. We have to project something that helps to inspire a team. We have to project something that helps the organization, right? And that might not be how we're feeling on the inside, but that is part of our role in leadership. And what people don't understand is that that actually drains our energy. And so we have to be even more intentional about recognizing those moments and recognizing how we replenish from those moments. And then interestingly, dissonance is that disconnect. It's that disconnect from feeling like we are at our most authentic core in those moments. And that can also um, create some, some energy drains. So I really focus on like understanding those two concepts and recognizing we get a lot of messages in leadership around authenticity, which I foundationally believe in, but I talk about authenticity in the sense of being true to who you are at the core, being true to your principles, being true to your core values, but recognizing that emotionally authenticity isn't always um, possible, especially in the leadership space. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. So to me, a concrete example is that, that whole thing about if you work in a restaurant, for example, and you have to go out and like have that smile and your service forward. And then you go on the back and you're like that jerky customer, right? Is, is that in play with this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's emotional labor right there. Yeah. Yeah. I know that when I was at one of my positions, the uh, vice president said that she was always going to be her authentic self. And that's why she never got to go to the real executive level, the EVP level, because her authenticity wouldn't allow her. I mean, they, that, wouldn't play the role of the, the true C-suite. And so she was fine with that um, because she wasn't going to be anyone. She wasn't who she wasn't. So she was all about being your authentic self and being who you are. Yeah. And I really do believe in that at the core, right? We need to show up as our authentic self um, and, and particularly around 
who we are, principally our core values, all of those things. But emotionally, I, I don't think we get that permission. Yeah. So how can we use play to transform the world and then both also the workplace and beyond? Yeah. So thinking about play and joy is something that I love infusing into my work, into my life, because it is so important. Number one, positive emotions are important. Um, They really broaden and build our capacity. They broaden our ability to think, to engage, to connect. um, And they really move us into action, which is pretty cool around positive emotions. So I love to talk about the fact that joy is foundational for team performance. And so the more we can infuse joy um, and play in, the better. And the other great thing is that we as adults, we learn so well through play. And so I love, love in anything I do to think about how can we learn through experiences, through fun, through joy, through playfulness, because a lot of times when we're learning that way, we're most receptive. And so when I'm working with teams, I often use tools, experiential learning, things that we can use to really tap into that and bond as a team. And that was the whole key to Zappos and their success with Tony Shea, right? Before they got bought by Amazon. Absolutely. It was all about play and how do we, how do we uh, encourage the customer and how do we, you know, wear our cowboy hats to work or whatever people are doing. Just an amazing corporate culture there that you wish everybody could do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they actually, I, I saw their chief fun officer speak at one point. I'm pretty sure that was the title. And I'm like, wow. And this was many, many years ago. And I was blown away by that. Yes. I had gone over to Amazon and interviewed Tony Shea. And it was just the most amazing place where everybody was playing fun and wearing anything that they wanted to and able to really, you know, if the customer needed something, well, they just do it. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. So cool. It would be amazing if they, do they still do that or no? I'd be interested. I don't know. I don't know. That was their entire culture though before Amazon. So who knows now, right? <laughs> um, so, so now we're bringing humanity into the workplace. And I love this, the focus on joy and playfulness, because I think we don't talk about that a lot in the work environment. Mm-hmm. So how do you bring your humanity to the work environment and still, um, you know, not drive everybody else crazy around you? <laughs> and make it profitable for the company because, you know, the company is about profit. Right, right. Yeah, well, I think when you put people first, profit follows. Um, so I'm a big believer in people over profits because every organization that does that, we see the profits follow. So I I think we've learned a lot through this time period, as hard as it's been with the pandemic. I think we have seen more humanity in the workplace. You know, unfortunately, um, it, it has been a hard very stressful several years. But one of the things that's positive that came out of that is that we welcomed each other into each other's lives in a new way. Um, We got to see each other's kids and pets and lives. And so what we see when there's more humanity is we see more trust. We see more vulnerability, which builds trust. And we see more psychological safety. And those two things, psychological safety and trust, are really at the core of high-performing teams. And that is backed by a ton of research, both in the academic world and also in the professional world. And so when we see high-performing teams we see wonderful performance, right? So that is going to lead to the financial piece that you're talking about and making sure that we are caring for profits. So to me, trust, psychological safety, being able to be human beings, because business is done in relationships. Business is done through trust. 
that is really going to lead to the the profits that organizations are looking for. So when you're brought into a corporation, what do you do? You know, how do you approach them and what kind of engagements do they enlist for you to do for them? So I'm an executive coach um, and I work with, um, I primarily work with CEOs and their teams. And so a lot of it is about coaching one-on-one and then coaching the team and making sure that we're building a foundation of trust making sure that we understand how to have those high quality connections, build climates and cultures of psychological safety, and also make sure that we have the right dialogue, healthy communication, good constructive feedback, good healthy conflict, all of those things to make sure we are at the core focused on what's important. And then it grows from there, you know, from things like making sure we have the right clarity, the the right contribution, the right collaboration, all of those pieces of puzzle um, with team dynamics. Fabulous. Right, right. So you talk about being authentic and vulnerable in building trust with your team. And how do you actually go about doing that? That's, that's very, um, you know, authenticity and vulnerability. That's very soft skills, right? So how, how do you do that? Mm, I would call them core skills. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it's, okay. it's yeah. I mean, that's, I, I hear that all the time, right? Those are your soft skills. And then there's the hard skills. And I'm like, well, if you ask people, if you really ask people, think about like a leader in your life that's inspired you, that's motivated you, that's engaged you. Tell me about what it was about that leader. They're going to list all of these things, right? And and those are what we used to call soft skills. And I would argue those are core skills. Those are our core human skills in order to be at our best with each other. So I'm going to go back to authenticity because I know I said, hey, it is hard emotionally to always be authentic. But again, when we live in our authenticity and we recognize like, hey, my authenticity is about being who I am in my core values in my principles and how I show up in the world. And I can really, really be that recognizing there's this emotional side that I may or may not always get to share. Um, that's what I think is important in bringing our humanity to the workplace as a leader and making sure that we're bringing our humanity in to build that trust and vulnerability. Now, vulnerability, I get a lot of questions around this and I really lean on Brene Brown's work here, which is, you know, Vulnerability isn't always about sharing our personal life. Sometimes it is, but it's about being willing to say, hey, I don't know that yet, or I'm actually not really sure of the answer, or hey, could you help me with this? Or I made a mistake and here's what I'm learning from it. That's what vulnerability looks like. And so when we think about our greatest access points to building trust and to building climates and cultures of psychological safety, it is that vulnerability. It's being willing to say, hey, we're all on a learning journey. We're all growing every single day and we get to lean on each other and we get to open our hearts up, show who we are at the core um, in, in how we are as people, but also leaning into each other and being willing to, to move forward together, even when it's difficult. That's a lot. That's a lot there. So I kind of really resonate with this. So I do think that we tend to overemphasize our humility and undervalue our brilliance because Diane and I just went through and both got certified to be on corporate boards through ACE LLC's course. Right. And when we went back and we looked at all of our career path and what we've done and what we've managed, I was like, holy crap, I do have a, a very broad background and I've done amazing things, but I never talk about it. I don't even really recognize mm. it. 
And we do tend as women to kind of push that down and just keep moving. So what are some ways to shift that mindset? Yeah, I think, I think at times we just, we focus so much on being humble and not shining too brightly. And I'm a big fan of Sean Aker's work and what he talks about, which is we're all a constellation of stars. And when you shine, I shine. And when I shine, you shine. And recognizing that the brighter we shine, um, the more we give others permission to shine as well. And, and that constellation is built. So I'm a really big believer in that. And I would love, love, love to continue to see women helping each other shine. It's um, a really core principle of mine. And so I'd love to keep seeing that happen in the world because it's pretty magnificent when it does. I know we come across so many amazing women in our world. Yeah, I bet. We do. And even if you're not interested in a corporate board, the whole thing to me about this ACE certification is it really makes you look at your accomplishments in a totally different way. And you go, wow, really? I did that, (laughs) right? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Pretty powerful. Yeah, very, very, very powerful. So uh, so that's humility and undervaluing our brilliance. And we're going to be brilliant and we're going to shine and we're going to shift this mindset. So how can we individually generate more energy recognizing that time is not a renewable resource? Because I know Beth puts out huge amounts of energy. I do too. And sometimes at the end of the day, I'm just so fried that there's nothing I can do, right? <laughs> just fried. So how do you regenerate? Yeah, well, I ask everybody to think about it in a structure, right? Because sometimes we need a little scaffolding to think through these things. And I ask people to think about mind, body, heart, and spirit, right? In those four categories, what nourishes you? And just to brainstorm in those four categories. And it doesn't need to be anything you're doing right now. It doesn't need to be anything you've done in the past. But like, what do you think would nourish you? And it's big and small. And I just ask people to brainstorm as much as possible to think about what could nourish your your mind intellectually, what could nourish your body physically, your heart emotionally, and then your spirit, what connects you to something greater than yourself or just to your best self. And to write those things down, and that's going to look different for everyone because this is individual experience. And then I ask people to look at that list and take one small step. Because behavioral change and what we know about the neuroscience of behavioral change is that we don't create change through huge sweeping transformations. We actually do it one small step at a time. And so I ask people to choose that small step that feels easy in front of them to start replenishing their energy and allow that to be the catalyst to the next small step and the next small step. But to use that worksheet, which you can find on our website, just use that, print it out and just write stuff down and start to create a plan for yourself of how you're going to take that small step and then the next small step and then the next small step. You are a certified nutritionist. So do you, do you still work in that realm? Oh, yeah. So our entire company is about well-being as the foundation for leadership. Yes. So full body leadership is all about the whole human body and recognizing that everything matters when it comes to leadership and your body matters. And so what the food that you put in your mouth matters. It's interesting to me that we don't connect the dots between leadership and nutrition. But if you think about how much output there is, um, in leadership, like we need good, healthy inputs to make sure we've got that output. So yes, I, it's integrated into everything I do. Does coffee count? (laughs) (laughs) I think coffee's okay, Diane. (laughs) Diet Coke might not be. This will be my first small step or write more coffee, but yeah. (laughs) Jamie, you mentioned, you mentioned your website. How can we find you and how can they find your books? 
So uh, Brilliant, Be the Leader Who Shines Brightly Without Burning Out is on Amazon. So you can find it there or on our website, which is connectedec.com. And what does EC stand for? Executive Coaching. Okay, connectedec.com. Terrific. Great. Great. So thank you, Dr. Jamie Shapiro, Executive Leadership and Wellbeing Coach with Connected Executive Coaching. And thank you to our sponsors, Google, City National Bank, the law firm of Manette, Advertising Media and PR Companies of Interpublic Group, IPG, Executive Search and IT Consulting Firm, Amplify Professional Services, which is my company, actually. And thank you for listening. Beth, do you want to take us home? Yeah. And we also want to thank Uncle Nearest, one of our newest sponsors that just came on board with C-Suite. So thank you, Uncle Nearest. Hit Spotify, Apple, subscribe button. Leave us a review. Five stars, of course. Social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. We love hearing from you. Send us an email, beth at csweet.org, c-s-w-e-e-t.org. Check out our website, www.cswet.org. Get active, come swimming, join the community. And thank you again, Jamie, for being with us today.